morning sleep in service. Always good to see you guys. It's great. Thank you for coming in outside. I know it's a beautiful day, and uh, I just appreciate your your dedication and devotion. So we're going to do just kind of a very brief mini-series here called Survival Mode for a couple weeks, and then we're going to jump into the book of Revelation for the balance of the summer, okay? Already freaked out about it. Think I figured out who the Antichrist is, so we're good. Um, (laughs) Kidding. All right, kidding, just so you know, but we're going to have an amazing time, but I wanted to kind of prep our hearts as we move towards that particular series, and uh, so if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here, and I've noticed it's always easier to talk about a tough season of your life when you're already on the other side of it. You understand what that means? I mean, just it's easier to kind of look back, and I was looking back over a season of my life that was just kind of, it was just a troublesome season. There was some, there were some health struggles going on inside of our family. There were some changes in life that we were just kind of working and navigating our way through. I'm kind of introspective, so I was asking myself just a lot of different questions, and there was nothing big going on. It was just a compilation of a whole bunch of small things that created this pressing load that just kind of shoved me into a mindset that I would just call personal survival mode. Okay, life was just overwhelming, and and in that moment, I think I did what most other human beings would do as an American person. You know, kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I just kind of locked in and pressed ahead. That's what I thought I needed to do, and I found myself doing what I think many of us do. We call it our life, but we basically end up sitting in our garage, psyching ourselves up to push the button. And then we push the button, we back out, and we go through our day because we're good, responsible people, and we drive to work, we move through our meetings, we check the right boxes, we say the right things, and we dream of the moment when we can pull back into the garage and hit the button again and stay inside of this warm little cocoon for 10 to 14 hours before we've got to psych ourselves up and go back out there and do it all over again. I mean, I think it happens to everybody. I think it happens to students, middle school, high school, college-age students, young adults. I think it happens to moms and fathers and and businessmen and women and and family members. Maybe you've been there before and you're already relating to what I'm talking about. Maybe you're in a season right now where you feel like you're just in perpetual survival mode and maybe you're going to be there someday and so for you this can be proactive. But as we begin, I want to kind of define it this way. Here's survival mode for me. It's a season of life when all of our effort is dedicated to personal survival. Everything that's in us just goes towards making it through one more 24-hour arc. And I know this to be true because I get to hang out with people from Christ the King all the time. In a room of this size with this many people, there are a handful of you. And honestly, it took everything that you had just to get here today. Can I say something to you? I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you got across the threshold because honestly for you, you summoned up every piece of energy you had just to get you through the door and I'm glad you made it. For you, everything we're going to talk about today is real life, real time, real issues. This is your real stuff and we're glad you're here. For some other people, you're not in this season right now. You know, you just kind of bounced out of life and, and bounced through the front door with joy and passion and you're well caffeinated and to all of the tiggers in the room, I would say, I'm glad you're here as well. And I hope for you this season... This particular series can be somewhat proactive because here's what I know. At some point, I think every human being in this room is going to encounter this. You see, as I read scripture, every key person that God used in amazing ways went through a season that they would describe as survival mode. I can't find a single exception 
where someone who was called by God to do something great didn't encounter a life where survival was just kind of a challenge and their perspective needed to be tweaked and shifted. And we're going to meet some of them over the next couple of weeks. So for me, as I walk through this season of my life, in God's amazing sovereignty, in this particular season of personal survival, God was working and in his divine plan, he plucked me out of Whatcom County and allowed me to go on a trip to Africa. God needed to shatter my garage door existence and to see how deeply he wanted me to live beyond this thing called survival mode. I will never forget this moment of my life as long as I live. I think I've shared it here at least three times. And so for those of you who already know the ins and outs of this story, would, could you just indulge me this morning to go? Because it just seems to fit the best as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about this weekend. On one of my days in Africa, I was taken to... Uh, what is known as a CSP, a child survival program, with the amazing ministry called Compassion International. A CSP is where sponsored children in that particular part of Africa come to have their daily needs met. Their daily basic survival needs are met in this child survival program. If you are here and you sponsor a kid, I am telling you, I have seen it. It works. It works. And I got to go there that day, and I was amazed as I watched these children, some of them with barely any clothes, line up in a line. They were the kids that had been sponsored. And my job was to feed them, so I gave them a small little, it was like a sandwich-sized plate, not a dinner plate, a sandwich-sized plate, and we would put a small scoop of rice and a small scoop of beans on it and one small cup of cold, clean water. And what I knew was, for many of the children that I was feeding, that was all they were having for that entire day. And what blew me away was I would watch. If they were a sponsored child, very often they would have siblings in their own family who were not sponsored. And I watched so many of those kids walk with their little plate and find a place to sit down. And then I watched their siblings sneak out from behind the buildings and the trees and come and gather around their brother and sister. And they'd put this little tiny plate that you and I would inhale in less than a second and a half. And they would put it in the middle and each one of them would share their clothes were sparse, but their generosity and sacrifice was so humbling to me. And I got to spend a day. I fed them, I played with them, I prayed for them, and then I got lost in my own thoughts. And I was asking myself tough questions. How could I compare my survival, which honestly, let's be honest, survival for me is getting through a very busy calendar and a lot of demands. That's survival for me. But how could I compare that with their actual need for survival, like life and death kind of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not belittling anyone in this room who's facing the modern American definition of survival mode. And, and I'm not looking down on it or belittling it because this is what I know. Your reality is your reality. If you're up against a wall, that wall is real to you. If you're just trying to get through the next 24 hours, that's a real challenge for you personally. I was just comparing my world with the world that God in his sovereignty had placed me in. And I got lost in the moment. I ended up sitting by myself underneath, or on this bench underneath of this tree. And in front of me is this African plane. And for whatever reason, I'm sitting on this bench and in the back of my mind, I'm singing the songs from the Lion King because it just fits in that particular moment, you know? And I'm just sitting out there lost amazed at the fact that I'm looking over here and there's a real live giraffe just a couple of hundred feet away from me. 
I'm not in a zoo, and he's just walking along, and I'm kind of blown away by that fact. And as I'm sitting there, I sense that I am not alone. I look down at the end of the bench, and there's this tiny little African boy wearing his school uniform, of which there wasn't very much left. And he was sitting there, and he turned and he looked at me, and his entire face exploded in a smile. I mean, it exploded. And he asked me a question that just kind of rocked my selfish little world. Would you like to hear my memory verse? I said, I would love to hear your memory verse. And then he stood at attention and said, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. But these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And then he asked me questions. Where have you seen it? Where have you seen faith in Africa? Where have you seen hope in Africa? Where have you seen love in Africa? His name was Evans, and he was God's gift to me. The Holy Spirit of God had inhabited that little boy, and God began to teach and preach to him, through him, to an American spoiled survival mode pastor. I mean, I was just amazed, just as I compared and contrasted. I'd lost my joy. Evans had enough joy to, to, to share with anybody that came along. I'd lost my passion. Evans had enough passion that was just overflowing out of him. I'd lost my way in my world of abundance. And here was this kid who had nothing, and I was envious of him because of what was just bubbling out of his soul. And I'm asking myself, how can a small African kid who had to struggle every day for real survival be so filled with joy and passion and someone like me who has so much be stuck in this cycle of, I don't know if I'm going to survive another 24 hours. I mean, the truth is I have all of my needs met by walking to my kitchen. All of my needs are met there. And I'm struggling and he's fighting every day to have the same needs met. And he's got peace and joy and love. And I'm like, could you teach me how to be like that? Let's take a break for a moment. Let's leave him there on the end of that little bench. We'll come back to him in a little bit. You know, it's absolutely amazing to me. When you go to Africa, they have a name for people like us quote-unquote, I'm going to just a big generic term there. They call us mzungus. You know what it means? It means one who spins in a circle and goes nowhere. It's not a compliment. It's like when the Bible calls you sheep and you're like, oh, that's sweet. No, it's not. Sheep are dumb, right? <laughs> They're dumb. They call us mzungus. And I want to talk about what does it actually feel like to try and break ourselves out of this little world that we get in. You know, when we spin in a circle and go nowhere, and it's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do because it's Monday and now it's Tuesday and now it's Wednesday and now it's Thursday and it's the same deal and it's the same kind of problems and I've got this great big to-do list and I don't know really what to do. And uh, oh, a whole week went by. I am dizzy. <laughs> Focus, Okay. So just leave Evans on the bench just for a little bit. We'll come back. You know, our world seems to be obsessed with survival, right? Just turn on your television. Survivor man, survivor, dual survivor, naked and afraid. Okay, 
Who thought that up, right? Let's stick a couple of naked people in the middle of the bush and see whether or not they make it for 21 days, right? That is, what are we thinking? Because, you know, we know the dirty little secret of the show, right? The dirty little secret is there's a camera crew. Some of you are like, really? Yeah, there's a camera crew and a medical team right around the corner just in case something really, really bad happens, right? Some of you are just like, my pastor watches Naked and Afraid. <laughs> Sometimes. Okay, so... <laughs> I mean, but you watch all of these shows, and it basically comes down to the same thing. Water, fire, shelter, food. If they can have those basic necessities, they can survive. Randy Borland, one of our amazing staff members here, Christ the King. Randy's actually been here longer than I have, and I've been here like for 16 plus years. Randy was playing keyboards this morning. He's also our graphic artist. He also does, he helps with research on projects like this. And he did some research and came up with a very short list that came from a group of survival experts who say, basically, humanity needs these five basic elements in order to be able to survive. Now, you could argue with, that, with, with the, the list if you want to. That's completely fine. But I want to share their list, and then I want to give you a spiritual provision that God gives that parallels everything that we need. And I want to tell you why we're going to do that before we even begin. Here's the question of the day. If God has already covered all of your survival needs why are so many of us stuck in survival mode? Could it be that everything we need is right in front of us? We just haven't accessed it. Okay, let's begin. Here's the five basic needs for human survival. You ready? Christ the King. It's like, I'm up here preaching. I just got attacked by a spider and its web. <laughs> Thank you, Nia. That was helpful. I'm like, what is going on? Don't write me a letter if you're an animal rights activist. Like, seriously, that spider was trying to hurt me. Jesus' name. Anyway, okay, here we go. That was not planned. All right. Five basic needs. Focus on the preacher. Let's go. All right, all right. Number one, oxygen. Oxygen. If you're not breathing, you're dead. I know that's a surprise for some of you, right? No oxygen means no survival. No matter your situation, if you're not breathing, you're not surviving. Period. We all need oxygen to survive. We not only need it physically, we need it spiritually. And here's really good news. That spiritual need is met because God is the breath of life. Every breath is a gift from God. If you just experienced that, that was a gift from God to you to sustain your life in this moment. I mean, listen to what God is up to in creation, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. What allows us to be alive is the breath of life expressed into us, which is a gift from the God who loves us. We forget that though, don't we? We take it for granted. We actually believe that we're in charge of our respiration and we're shocked when we find out when God says, no, actually, that's my gift to you. 
So God originated life and he sustains it as the first and the last. Some of you will say, that's awesome if you're Adam. What about me? I live in the 21st century. That's a great question. Isaiah 42 verse 5 would answer that. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. Every single one of us has been given a gift today. It's the gift of life. The question is, are you going to spend that life in survival mode or are you going to access what God has placed right in front of you? Secondly, water. A human being can only go three to four days without water. We need it to survive. I mean, just go a couple of hours and your body will begin to send you a message. You're thirsty. You need hydration. That's a very good thing if you live in the Pacific Northwest, right? I just came back from mid-central California, was speaking at a conference for a couple of days. Everywhere you look, drought conditions. Please conserve water. Please don't water your lawn. Please don't wash your car. Please save every single drop. Water's precious. We need it as human beings. And isn't that the way it works for us when we get stuck in survival mode, right? We're thirsty for relief. We're thirsty for rest, thirsty for help. We're thirsty for companionship. It's true physically and it's true spiritually. We just thirst to know that somehow God hasn't forgotten about us. This is the good news when it comes to that kind of thirst. The spiritual need is met because God is living water. Listen to Jesus describe himself as the one who can part our thirst, that innate thirst that each one of us has to have a relationship with someone bigger than we are. John 4, 14, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's not just quenching a physical thirst, but a spiritual thirst that's born inside of each one of us that can only be quenched by living water himself. Several weeks ago, took a weekend off, and the weekend was interrupted by the fact that my son Braden got really, really sick. I mean, he's, he's 21 years old, but parents, have you noticed, it doesn't matter how old they get, when they get sick, they turn five again, you know? And he'd been getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and on Saturday morning, you know, we finally decided maybe we should go, so we go to the walk-in clinic, and he's like the color of concrete. He's just kind of gray, and he's in and out, and I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm legitimately getting concerned for him. I left him out in the car, went inside to the walk-in clinic. They finally got, you know, him to be able to see, and I'm rolling him in to, to be able to, they're walking him in to be able to see the PA, and, and Braden's just struggling. It is not good when that emergency room person with their training says, we can't help you, and you need to go directly to the emergency room. And they hand you a piece of paper. So I load Braden back up again. We go to the ER. It is not a good thing when you go to the ER and you don't have to wait. I handed the lady at the desk the piece of paper. She looked at it. She looked at Braden and she said, you need to come right with me. And they rolled him into the very first curtain behind the curtain that they could. And there were doctors and nurses and they were flying. They were moving in a real, real hurry. Because I'm watching Braden. Like literally, he's just, it's like he's fading in front of me. And they begin to give him fluids, water, with all kinds of other really good things in there that made him feel a whole lot better. And it was amazing. It was like watching a dehydrated flower come back to life again. In a matter of minutes, all of a sudden, it's just like 
they all it's like, oh, that, there's, there's my boy. <laughs> kind of lost him for a little bit there. And he just began to bloom. You guys have been experiencing this if, you, if you've been actually at church over the last six weeks. We've baptized more than 150 people the last month and a half. And the reason we celebrate it every time is because they have an opportunity to declare their faith. And the living water that they have accepted into their soul begins to overflow. And it's like a parched, dehydrated flower just comes back to life again. And we cheer because we know who sponsored that. Jesus did that work. And we celebrate it. Number three is food. Evans came that day looking for food, plain and simple. And he got both. He got both spiritual food and physical food. Rice and beans for his body. And he also got a lesson that particular day. I will never forget that teacher. One single teacher. She's 21 years old. She has 400 students. And her class was perfectly well behaved. That's leadership right there. And her lesson that day, Jesus is the bread of life. Perfect, right? I mean, that spiritual need for us, as well as for Evans and, and even his entire school over there, is met because God is the bread of life. Listen to Jesus talk in John 6, 35. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying, I've got both of those covered, your hunger and your thirst. If you hunger and thirst for the righteous life that God has for you, I can fully satisfy that hunger and thirst. You'll never go hungry or thirsty again. I love knowing that Evans has this limitless spiritual buffet available to him every single day. I love the fact that he knew that better than I did because that little kid had found his sufficiency in Jesus. He taught me something that day. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He taught me that. Let's keep going. Number four, shelter. Every one of us, we have a need for protection from the elements. It's a basic human survival need. Whether it's clothing or, or warmth, we all need something to insulate us from the elements. I got to see Evans' house. Small little metal structure about the same size as my garden shed. And you know why he was so proud to show it to me? It's because that was his home. We all need a home, don't we? A place to call our own and he was so proud even in that god has good news for us because the bible says the spiritual need for that is met because god is our refuge listen to him in psalm 91 whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty and i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in whom i trust so god has provided shelter the question is when we're stuck in this survival mode mindset, do we have the wisdom to run underneath of his shelter or do we spin in a circle outside and then wonder where in the world God went? And God says, no, I'm your shelter. I'm your refuge. I mean, we hear these little phrases. They're not just catchphrases, right? God is a shelter in the time of storm. God is a presence that casts a protective shadow. God is a refuge for the weary and a fortress for the distress, the question is, do we run to him or away from him? Here's the last one that was somewhat surprising to me. Sleep, number five. I never would have thought that sleep would be considered vital to survival. But I'll tell you what, I am glad it's there. 
That means this afternoon, I can take a nap in the name of Jesus and nobody gets to complain because it's biblical, all right? All of you should probably do the same, all right? I mean, without rest, the troubles of today just force us into a place of sheer exhaustion. When survival mode just, just seems to kick in and we just manage the issues around us instead of actually living life. Well, I've got good news there as well. That spiritual need is met because God promotes, permits, and even modeled rest for us. I've said this before, right? God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired. He rested on the seventh day so that his people would get a clue. He invites us, models it, and mandates it for us. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, famous verse. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you a to-do list because I have high expectations and you people need to perform. Is that what your Bible says? Mine says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest. Go back to the bench. So I'm at one end and Evans is down at the far end. And as he's having this conversation with me, he keeps sliding a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. Until eventually he puts his feet up on the bench and he ends up with his head just kind of laying in my lap. He rolled over and he stared up at me. And he asked me a question, kind of freaked me out. Are you from Canada? I'm like, I knew I had a pastor on my hands. I did not know I was dealing with a prophet, okay? I mean, I was like freaking me out. And I said, uh, actually, yeah, originally I'm, I'm from Canada. I said, are you Matt from Canada? I said, no. He said, Matt from Canada is my sponsor. I said, you are not Matt but for today, you are Matt, and I love you. And he fell asleep, and surprise, surprise, I cried. <laughs> a psychologist will tell you a child will only sleep under two conditions, when they feel completely and utterly exhausted or when they feel safe. Evans wasn't safe with me. He was safe in the knowledge of Philippians 4.19. The holy word of God says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All of your needs. That means everything you need to survive is on a table right in front of you. Evans knew that. I still am learning that. So where are we going to go with this series? We're going to go and pursue a simple truth. Let me just tell you right from the get-go. The spiritual truth is this. God is calling us beyond merely surviving. He wants us to live an abundant life, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. He doesn't want us to be caught on that hamster wheel of just trying to get back to the garage and hit the button so we can survive completely on our own. God is calling us beyond merely surviving into a place where we are truly thriving. 
that moment in Africa, I'm just surviving. My little friend, he was thriving. For some of you today, this is the first time you've ever heard any of this before. And, and the, I hope this is amazingly good news to you. That no matter what you're going to encounter in the coming weeks, everything you need to survive, God has put right in front of you. The breath of life. Living water. The bread of life. A shelter in the time of storm. In a place where you can truly rest. God has actually made that completely and totally available to you. The question is, will you choose to participate with him as he provides? For the veterans in the room, the spiritually mature, those of us who have been doing this for a really, really long time, I have a difficult question that I've asked myself. Therefore, I think I have permission to ask you. If you are stuck in survival mode, Why did you stop breathing? Why did you stop drinking? Why did you stop eating? Why have you stayed outside of the shelter when God invited you to come inside? And why aren't you resting anymore? The last time I checked, when we feel distant from God, we're the ones that moved. So to all of my brothers and sisters who may have lived through survival mode, who are living it right now, or may live in it someday, this is the best shot I have for you. Eat. Drink. Rest. Find shelter, and for the love of God, breathe. It would seem wrong to me in our blessed culture to talk about survival mode for the next couple of weeks and not actually do anything about somebody else's survival. So next week, it's Mother's Day. I know emotionally for some people it's a very difficult day. Can I just encourage you to come back? We'll make sure this is safe for everybody while we honor moms. I'm not going to leave anybody outside of that blessing. But we're going to gather together next week because there's a group of kids in India who don't have a mom. There's a little home, and I had the privilege of being there a couple of years ago. All of the children in that home are either infected with or have been affected by HIV AIDS. And that little home needs a well. They need clean drinking water while they're being loved by a staff who's going to give them living water. They need a well, and we are going to give them one. We're going to do that. So I want you to be thinking ahead of time. Okay. In fact, do me a favor. Every time you take a sip this week, Say thank you for, for, to whom it came from. And then ask yourself the question, if it's so readily available to me, how cool would it be if a part of my life was to create that opportunity for somebody else in the world too? We have a series of projects. 
The total price tag on all of them is $25,000. I want to invite you and challenge you as a church to create a problem for me by taking care of all three of the projects so that we have to go out and find more. I think that's what God would be calling us to do. Those of us who may be stuck in survival mode. Would you pray with me as we close this morning? Father God, I thank you for the privilege to be with my brothers and my sisters. Lord, I pray for those who may be stuck in that hamster wheel of survival mode. Lord, I pray that they would see today that you have completely set the table with everything they need. And that your dream for them is to simply choose to eat the bread of life, to drink the living water, to find shelter under the most high, to rest and to breathe the breath of life. So Lord, may you do during this series exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even imagine. Lord, I believe we've been blessed to be a blessing. So next week as the church gathers again to touch a little group of very precious people on the other side of the world. May we do it with joy and anticipation. Father, thank you for sending Reverend Evans to me. I cherish his gift and I pray that you would bless him and meet all of his needs according to your riches which are in Christ Jesus today and the faithful of Christ the King agreed together and said, Amen.